Blog Talk Radio. gentlemen round two of weigh-in sports talk tonight so if you click on the initial link that's out there on my weigh-in sports talk guess what it's going to say it no longer exists but now this new one exists if you can listen now great if you can't just listen on the, on your way to work or home from work tomorrow but we're talking some sports tonight Quinn's going to be with us momentarily bringing on Jonathan Jonathan, we let's just rehash real quick what we talked about the first few minutes. Thanks for filling in. Blog Talk Radio, you pissed me off. I'll delete you. That's just the way it goes, and I'll come back and create another episode just to piss you off. So here we are live, man. And, you know, good news is let's talk, let's talk Thursday night, start with the Auburn Tigers. Go on the road. And, and I know it's Kentucky, guys. I know, Jonathan. So I'm not sitting here bragging, but it was a big – Big win for Auburn because you lose this game, all of a sudden you're three and three, and it's over. You're zero and three in the SEC. There's always now a glimmer of hope, and it sounded like you and Quinn nailed it uh, the other night when we did our show talking about Auburn in the future, Jonathan. I mean, the offense looked a lot better. I kind of like this quarterback. I did want to see Johnson in the second half, but what you think? How big of a win was this for Auburn, even though it was Kentucky? This was a huge win. Um, I loved watching this game because you know you know what I noticed in this game, and I don't know if you picked up on it as much as I did, but that was the Auburn offense you and I had been talking about. We needed to see get away from the pass happy. Let's get up and back at it. Run the football. You know, let's let's really go more north and south. Um, I I loved every second of Sean White at quarterback. I thought he looked great in that game. Um, Ricardo Lewis looked great at wide receiver, and I mean. The defense, while it had its moments and Patrick Poles really helped them out in certain times, the defense made strides forward with some young guys. I'm really excited for what I saw from Auburn. I really am. I thought that was an excellent game by, by that team, especially that offense. That's a momentum booster right there. That's a big win. A road Thursday night win in the SEC is a huge win. It was, and it, and it gives you hope for next week, and that's what you get. What you get is your team buying in, and all of a sudden, if you're Gus Malzahn, you can say, hey, we're 2-0 and in October. You know, we're still four wins, two losses. I mean, it's not a terrible record. It's not where you, we wanted to be, but it's where we are. But we're 2-0 and in October, while other teams are starting to fall apart. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Auburn's finally maybe starting to hit their stride. I'm not a Sean White big fan right now, but, again, he's a freshman. The redshirt freshman, freshman, whatever you want to call him, he's still a freshman, and he looks more poised than most junior and senior quarterbacks. I mean, he makes his mistakes, don't get me wrong. I mean, he's still he's learning. But, I mean, as a freshman, Jonathan, you're going to see mistakes out there by quarterbacks, but he does look ten times better than Jeremy Johnson. Where Jeremy Johnson could give you more explosive plays, this guy gives you more consistency. Where he Most of the time he's not going to make those boneheaded plays. He just manages the football game. The pace was a little faster. 
the first half looked better than the second. But but you're right about the defense. They made plays when they had to. And, and, and you know what? All of a sudden, November is going to come, Jonathan, and I think you're going to see a young defense that's actually gotten a lot better under Will Muschamp and could, could play some spoiler. I mean, I'm not going to say they're going to win the SEC, but you just never know right now about college football. I never thought Memphis was going to beat Ole Miss either, but, but it was a huge win for Auburn. No, it was. It really was. And, again, it's momentum builders. Um, you know, I like some of the wrinkles that were shown with using Jeremy Johnson's bacon uh, to reverse to him because that, that makes teams think. And, and that, that's misdirection. And that's Malzahn's game. Malzahn, is, his whole offense really does become predicated off of misdirection. He's trying to get you moving one way so his guy can go the other. And I, was, I loved what I saw from the offense. I really did. I said that to a couple people I've talked to after that game, and it didn't hurt that we were all laying the two. Uh, so we, we had a nice night uh, with that win. Well, and also they opened up a four-point dog to Arkansas on the road this Saturday, a uh, noon kickoff. And, and I think sometimes that benefits the road team. You know, Auburn doesn't play well in the mornings at home, but sometimes going on the road, I'd rather play Arkansas in the morning than at night. I mean, I think they can beat Arkansas. They're going to have to improve. They're going to have to play better. They're really going to have to be physical. So Auburn against LSU, they failed the test. They weren't physical. Now they're going to have to be physical again. Let's bring Quinn on real quick. I want to see what he thinks about Auburn. Uh, were you were you pleased with the win on Thursday night, Quinn? You're a big Auburn fan. Just, I need to yeah, hear I was. I was pleased with it. And uh, I was glad that Gus kind of took the hands handcuffs off of Sean, Sean and, let, and let him show his arm off. And he had a few really huge pass plays. And this is the Auburn offense that everyone expected. Finally, it, 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 took, it took enough games, but finally the offense has actually shown what they should have been doing all year. You know what it was, Quinn, don't you? I mean – the difference I saw, and maybe y'all saw some of the difference, the offensive line, especially in the first half, really dominated that game, man. And it, yeah. gave, a lot of time, it gave a lot of time for, for why the running game was going. But the second half, I think, you know, Kentucky made some great adjustments. They're, they're not a bad team, guys. I mean, Kentucky no. is not a bad team. But they made some adjustments, and I think in the second half, they outcoached us. But at the end of the day, in that game, we got the W. And anytime you can go on the road, like Jonathan said, Thursday night, SEC game, a win's a win. Now you got another week to see what can happen. But, but give me your thoughts real quick of uh, of the defense before we move on to the the other games that took place. Well, uh, I thought, I mean, you can look at it two ways. The good thing is we got them to third downs. Third and longs, the bad thing is they were completing third and longs. Now, do I think that's pretty fixable? Yes. But you can't be giving up third and longs like that. Muschamp can't have the cornerback five to six yards off the wide receiver in that situation. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Now, that, that is something that, you know, is it fixable? Yes, but with time, Jonathan. I think these guys just need to have more experience, those plays, even though they're getting gashed on third and 22s. You know, I think 
you can look at that and practice and practice. I mean, but I do see a, a difference in Auburn Johnson, and that's the fight in them. They're a little, they're fighting hard, which is, you know, I didn't know if I really bought that they would fight hard in Kentucky. I thought they may just lay down, but that that tells you a lot about the coaching staff too, that that they still have these players bought in, and that's pretty difficult to do when you have expectations to win a national championship and you already have two losses on your resume. Yeah, I agree. That That is something that it's very hard to do. It's going to be interesting to see, uh, just foreshadowing a little bit, how Ole Miss and Michigan handle that now that they both suffered a second mm-hmm. loss after a lot of buzz coming into this week. Uh, I mean, I, Quinn hit it on the head, and it really did frustrate me watching the game, was it's third and long, <laughs> and the corners are playing five yards off, and the receivers are running a yard past the stick turning around and just waiting on the pass, and your corners are still playing off. That 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 bothers me. I mean, I, I like me too. doing all, the offensive thing, but at heart I'm a defensive coach, and when I see that kind of play, I start throwing stuff at my TV. Oh, yeah. yeah. Man, it was and, and terrible coaching. Some of the tackling. Oh, yeah. Casanova McKenzie ought to be pimp slapped. For some of them. I mean, they're in position, guys. They're in position. And the thing is, Muschamp can't go out there and tackle people for you. I mean, mm-hmm. I think he's done a good job of doing what he's got to do, but all of a sudden, you're missing tackles. You're missing tackles. You're you're giving up third and 24s. I mean, it's just – I mean, like in third and shorts, Auburn did well. You know what's weird, Jonathan, is third and four, third and five, Auburn can get off the field. Third and 22, they're, they're back on again. I mean, it's just – Geez, get some consistency on third down. Alabama, uh, we'll, we'll talk about them in a little while. They don't give up third down in anything. I mean, if you get the third down on them, they're going to terrorize you, and that's what I want to see. And that's why we're not going to be at that championship level anytime this year. I mean, it's going to take some time to to build that kind of defense. I mean, we don't have it right now, and that's just the way it is. Sean White, and, and I think, guys, that, that, that Gus Malzahn realizes that Sean White's our future and might as well start him the rest of the games, and you got three more years with him. And and I don't want to talk much about Auburn tonight. We'll talk about them this week with their game coming up at Arkansas. But guys, the you know I've got a problem, and I want you I want y'all to tell me what you think. The Michigan game just broke my heart. I mean, it, it really did for the for the Michigan fans, the players. But what I have a problem with is Jim Harbaugh after the game. I mean, I don't know if you guys heard the post-game interview. Jonathan, I'll start with you, but Jim Harbaugh just threw his punter under the dang bus. I mean, just threw him under the bus. Did you catch his post-game interview? I didn't catch his interview. Um, on, uh, and the reason behind it was I literally did feel heartbroken. I felt sick after after watching that. I have a friend, I have a, I have a good buddy who goes to the University of Michigan, and he sits six rows up in the student section. And, uh, I mean, he, he described to me how everything went down after that play. I mean, I've got, I've got a perfect description of how, of how the meltdowns ensued, how n- nobody in yellow and, and, and maize and blue moved. Nobody moved in the stadium. Nobody could move. They were just sat there stunned, paralyzed by what they had witnessed. And then they said it got nasty. He, he said, you know, Michigan State fans apparently lit some garbage cans on fire. Some fights broke out. <laughs> he said it got ugly and you had to get out quick. And, and my heart just broke. Because when I saw that play, the first thought in my mind was, 
I have Michigan money line in the parlay. Uh, the second thought my mind was, this is this is <laughs> There's an offside penalty. Somebody's going to get called for holding. I mean, there's no way that they get away with this, right? I, I mean, you know, and, and what, but what did you expect from Harbaugh, Brian? What did you expect? He's an NFL coach. He's all, he's also a former player. He played at university. He's going to call you out when you screw up. That's who Harbaugh is. I mean, that's who yeah. he is. I don't blame him one iota for what he did. Because at the end of the day, you look at that part of the locker room, and there's 119 kids looking at him going, how are we going to kill you tonight? <laughs> I know the guy's been death threats from the fans, which I think that's a little too extreme. But, I mean, it's one of the – you know, in the last few years since that radio show's been going on, guys, we've seen some hell of an ending. I mean, you thought Doug Flutie was an ending. We get the – the miracle of Jordan Hare against Georgia, the kick six against Bama. We get these Hail Marys, BYU, this crap. I mean, the punter, why didn't he just fall on the ball? I mean, Quinn, I mean, what would you think? I know you you, you, you you talk like you're a northerner. Man, what in the hell went on in Michigan? Why didn't the punter fall on the ball? Uh, well, it's a game situation. Uh, I think what he was thinking <laughs> is, he was probably thinking, all right, I still got time to get this ball away. Well, the thing yeah. is, even if he got it off and it touched the ground, he probably would have got tackled. But he kicked it right into the guy's hands. Man, you talking about heartbreak, guys. I mean, and, and I'm, gonna, I'm not taking anything away from Michigan State. Good teams find ways to win, and it's just like this Michigan State Spartan team is resilient, and Jonathan never should have been in that situation. Michigan had the game won, in my opinion, before that. I mean, they, they, but Michigan State never went away, and I think people are talking about this play so much about the punter, but how about let's give Michigan State a little bit of credit for being at the right place at the right time, John. Yeah. I have something to say. Remember last week when we were thinking that Michigan could possibly blow them out, and then Jonathan said that D'Antonio was telling his players to not play as hard and just get by the win? Well, that's what it looked like because this Michigan State team played a lot different than when they played against uh-huh. Rutgers and Purdue yeah, it's a long season, man. It's exactly right. I mean, you're going to play your best against better opponents. But, but Jonathan, let's go to, to Michigan. Looking at that schedule, I mean, it's not too big. I mean, it's not too difficult to me. But how are they going to go to Minnesota? How are they going to respond in two weeks? They get a bye week. It's tough to go for two weeks. I mean, this is a bad time for a bye week, isn't it, Jonathan? I mean, you have, for two weeks, you have to think about this. It's a bad time and it's a good time. And the reason why I say that is this whole university is heartbroken right now. I mean, heartbroken. They, they can't, they, classes were canceled for Monday and Tuesday. I mean, this, this, this university is heartbroken. Nobody wants to move. Um, you know, I, I, one of my buddies works at, in, in the department there as part of the student managers, and they were all told, don't bother coming in today. I mean, this is ugly. So the bye week's good because it gives them a chance to get over this. Because I think if you come out next week, if they had played a game this this coming up weekend, they would have gotten fired. Because emotionally, they're yeah. still beat up. 
Now, the best thing about this is they get two weeks to get geared up and get ready to head on up to Minnesota and do some do some face smashing. And I tell you what right now, seeing what I've seen from Harbaugh and knowing what I know about that school right now, Michigan's going to win the next four games. I'm tempering W's right now. That's going to be a 9-2 team when um, the Buckeyes come to town. Yeah, and here's the deal, guys. Let's let's not forget that's one loss. I mean, they have two, but at the end of the day, they have one loss in the Big Ten. They went out, you know, Ohio State beat Michigan State, Michigan beat Ohio State. All of a sudden, we have a three-week tie. I mean, you never know what can happen. But Michigan's not out of the Big Ten race, which means to me they're not out of the playoff race because if they, you know, you know, nobody. I think everybody's going to have a couple losses. It looks like maybe. But all of a sudden, a, a 11-2 Michigan team that's Big Ten champions, Jonathan, they're, they're, I think they're Final Four worthy. I mean, Big Ten's pretty good this year. Well, I mean, you tell me, hey, Michigan is, you know, 11-2, and two, okay? They beat um, they, 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 they beat Ohio State. They beat Iowa, who it looks like right now is going to run the table to that championship game. Uh, and their losses are to Michigan State, who I'd say has one or two losses. You know, maybe that second loss to Ohio State. And then Utah, who could run the table. Well, that's just, I mean, that, that, that's hard to say, well, this team's not worthy. That's a very good football team who got hit with the schedule that yeah. has. It's really, in all reality, kind of tough. So if you think about it, if you have four opponents like that, a Utah, Michigan State, Ohio State, Iowa, who could all be top 10, top 15 teams at the end of the year, well, that's a tough schedule. How many other teams to say that? I mean, truly say that. And I think that's where we have to give Michigan credit if they do run this table. And you look at it and go, you know what? I mean, if I've got to decide between two-loss Michigan and, you know, a, a two-loss, uh, you know, Utah. Or, well, not Utah. I'd give Utah the edge. But, like, two-loss Clemson. Okay? With an Amelie Michigan. You know, and that's where we're looking at yeah. it right now. But Michigan, unfortunately – the fans have already given up playoff hopes. And, that, and I think that's what bothers me a little bit, is that the, the reading I got from the fans is that they quit. The season's almost done. And that, and that almost bothers me because it's never over. And I've been telling a lot of them, go look up 2007 and tell me that the season's over. Because I know you remember 2007. We all do. It was Armageddon. Well, and it's, you know, Michigan, just think where they were last year. These fans need to chill out just a little bit. But what's funny is you look at the East, Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan, and Penn State. Look at those teams. And now the West, Iowa, Wisconsin, Illinois, Northwestern, Nebraska, Minnesota, Purdue. What a joke. I mean, three of these teams. I think Penn State's a pretty good football team, too, even though they got trounced. But Ohio State, let's go to them real quick, guys. Ohio State, Jonathan, looked very good last night. I just love it with Barrett running that offense, man. I mean, Ohio State's almost probably unbeatable with him at quarterback. What do you think? I think JTU should have been the starting quarterback no matter what. Just because Cardell had a great three-game run doesn't mean JT didn't get you there. Doesn't mean JT wasn't a Heisman candidate for a broken ankle. He probably could. He might have won that Heisman because he put up unreal statistics last year at Ohio State. I think JT needs to be that starting quarterback. All right, JT's a better quarterback. I feel like mentally he's more sound. I feel physically he's better than Cardell. Does Cardell have a rocket arm? Yeah, so did Jamarcus Russell. Okay? That doesn't always win the game. JT Barrett, I think, is unquestionably the best quarterback this team has, the best option they have to lead them to the promised land. And he looks phenomenal. And hats off to a defensive line that took advantage of a weak offensive line. 
They didn't just they didn't just show up. That defensive line showed up to eat, and they ate. Yeah, Quinn. I think I think Ohio State is the best team in the country. I mean, watching these guys, they they, they played like like Jonathan mentioned it too. Like Florida State last year, when they, you know, they 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 took it easy sometimes. They just couldn't get up for every game. But you could tell last night that night game, that prime time game at home against a good Penn State team, those guys look good. Barrett at quarterback, Quinn. I think Ohio State's the best team in the country right now at this point. Yeah, I think they'll be the only undefeated team in the country. I think uh, I think Baylor and TCU. I think that, well, one of them has to lose. I think both will lose. <laughs> and then yeah, uh, Baylor, Baylor sucks, man. No, I'm joking. They don't. They're good. Yeah. Hey, yeah, but hey I question, guys. Real, real quick. Undefeated. Real quick. Real quick, what about how is Ole Miss Quinn? How are they still ranked in the top twenty-five right now? You get your pants when pulled I saw, down. When I saw Memphis. that, I asked myself the same question. Just because they only Job. have two losses doesn't mean they should still be ranked. Well, Auburn has two losses, and they're not ranked. Jonathan, should Ole Miss be yeah, ranked? Yeah, they shouldn't I mean, be. What do you think, Jonathan? They lose to Florida, which I mean, at the, Florida's. Okay, they're they're all right. They lose pretty good to Florida too, and then they get blown out by Memphis. I mean, how is Ole Miss still ranked, Jonathan? I mean, what are these posters smoking? Is that Alabama win gonna gonna make it get them through the year? It will. That Alabama win, and because it was in Tuscaloosa, is gonna ride them out because people are seeing how hard it is this year to win on the road. That's exactly what people are seeing. The road wins are hard to get by because you look at it. Ole Miss is only and granted. At home, they play nobody. But there are only two losses this year, both in road losses. So people are looking at that and giving them some credit. Now, I don't agree with it. I don't have them in my top 25. I think Ole Miss right now is showing me that they are a weak team, and I still don't like Hugh Freeze as a coach. I don't. I, I, I don't I, every time it seems like he turns a corner, he flops on the face. Yeah, it, I mean, I, I don't like him either, and it's and it's not because I mean he's a he's a good man probably, you know. But this whole team is built around one person, and it's Ken Dietschy, and it's it's sad. Like Auburn's defense, you saw Lawson, how bad it, it's it's having to rebuild without him as a big player. But if you're Ole Miss, and you're a you're a championship worthy team, one player should not determine. And you were right, Jonathan. You were you were dead on. That game changed when Kandichi went out. It's like the heart went out of this team. The fight went out. You know what it me. shows me? What, they're not mentally tough? Yeah, they're not mentally tough. <laughs> Notre Dame has had six starters go down for the year. And they haven't gotten rattled at all. It shows that Freeze isn't instilling any mental toughness in them. Yeah, you are exactly right, Quinn. I mean, that's that's a perfect breakdown. But let, let's move real quick. I mean, Ole Miss, well, hold on, Ole Miss, they lost to Memphis. Where did they go from here, Jonathan? I mean, they, they go to Auburn. I mean, obviously this team is showing me that they're not a, a road team. I mean, to get beat 37-24 to 24 by a, a Memphis team is pretty good. But, I mean, you're an SEC West team, and I think the SEC is overrated as hell this year. But but that's just me. Everybody calls me an SEC lover, but I'm one of those guys that's going to tell you the truth. 
that they, they host A&M this week. Then they go to Auburn. They come home to play Arkansas. They get a bye week. They play LSU. And then they go to Starkville. Jonathan, I mean, God, that could be five losses in a row right there. I mean, you don't know the mental toughness of this team. Two losses in a row, these players could cash it in right now. If A&M, after they lost, they could come out. It's hard to stop them. If Kamdichie's not playing, how are they going to stop A&M? You know, and that's, that's a good question. And, and I think this team's really going to come down to Chad Kelly. Is he going to go ahead and rally this team around him? Because he's the quarterback. He's got to be the leader right now. He's got to rally this team. Because, I mean, his intercept, his first interception against Memphis was awful. That was a bad read. That was a bad throw. And it ended up in a bad result. And he can't have that against A&M. Granted, A&M quarterbacks don't do them much favors. We saw that against Alabama. I mean, I'm looking at this team, and right now, I mean, five losses in a row is, is not out of the question. I thought this team would be a sleeper for the SEC, and I think yeah, I was right. They are a sleeper, but they've gone to a deep sleep right now. But here's the thing. If they win out, they win the SEC West, you want to talk about the SEC freaking out. Have Ole Miss win the SEC? Because then an undefeated Memphis has to make playoffs. You can't tell me, oh, you're going to put Ole Miss nope. in, you can't put Memphis in. Exactly. I mean, that's a great point. I mean, Memphis is a good football team. I'm not taking anything away from them. They should not beat an SEC West team. And I'm not talking about an SEC West team, you know, the the, the bottom feeder. This was a team that went to Tuscaloosa at 9-1. But what, what concerned me, and this really concerned me, was the 38-10 to loss at Florida. And Quinn said it right, the mental toughness of this team. If you're a mentally tough team, you bounce back and you win, you take care of business, yet they lost double digits again. I mean, what are they thinking in that locker room? 28-point loss to a Florida team that, that wasn't good at the time they played them. Uh, Memphis team that, I mean, I don't know they're Memphis, but now A&M as a team is going to put up. A&M struggles against Alabama. That's just the bottom line. Alabama has their number with their defense. I think A&M will come in and shred the Ole Miss defense, guys. I mean, I, I think Ole Miss is going for three losses in a row. And then Halloween, they're going to Auburn. I think it's four in a row. They may beat Arkansas and, and Oxford. I don't know. But Quinn, I mean, it's not looking good for Ole Miss right now. I don't think you're I think you're right. They're not mentally tough. But how are they going to start beating? They haven't even played their schedule yet. They haven't even started the meat of their schedule. No, they're going to fall apart. They may lose out. Yeah, they no fall more, no apart, more and I don't think, I, and I don't know if Chad Kelly can lead him. I don't know if he has that in him. You know, you know, Quinn. It's always you know Auburn and Alabama. They have their cream puffs remaining to get them kind of rested up. But you're you're talking about five straight SEC West games. Five straight games, Jonathan. Five SEC West games. That's in this mental state they're in. And what's Kim Dietschy's injury, by the way? Uh, from what I heard, it's concussion. Uh, as with all concussions, he's listed day-to-day. Um, I mean, it's it, it really is a shame to see him go down considering that he has such high draft stock right now. Uh, and, and I just – I have to imagine he's not playing offense at all for the rest of the year. 
You, you can't <laughs> put him back out there. You can't. After this, and I, I think this, I think honestly, this is a big deal. But Hugh Freeze got cute, tried to do something, and, and failed. And I think this needs to be made out. People need to go ahead and start chewing on him over this. Yeah, and and I'm gonna tell you, I hope he comes back after October 31st after the Auburn game. But Hugh Freeze, right now, I mean, it's time to start shaking your head a little bit and wondering, you know, with this kind of talent. Are we supposed to lose to Memphis? Yeah, they look good against Fresno State and Tennessee Martin and even Alabama. Alabama turned the ball over five times, and, and, and they barely won that game. They look bad. They beat Vanderbilt by 11 points. I mean, this team has not played well ever since that Alabama game. And and I, honestly, I think after that game, they thought that they had the season one, honestly, Quinn. I think Ole Miss thought they had the season one after going to Alabama and the rest of the cakewalk. They probably did, and I blame that on Hugh Freeze. If his players uh-huh. are thinking that they think they that they had the season wrapped up after they did Alabama, then then that's Hugh Freeze's fault for not having them prepared for every other game. Yeah. Well, speaking of a team that that doesn't have it, have it together is Ole Miss. But Jonathan, let's move over to a team in Alabama that looked like they did have it together. A six and one Alabama team now went on the road, beat a top ten ten undefeated team at A and M, and just just really dominated that game from the start to finish. I mean, really, was it ever in question? What are you thinking about Alabama right now? I have them at my number five team right now. Well, Alabama worried me a little bit when uh, they gave up that punt return. Momentum really shifted. Um, <laughs> it really did. The next thing you know, it was 28-21, and all of a sudden you just had that look of, oh, my goodness, are they really going to blow this up? And Derrick Henry took over. Alabama special teams is going to cost them another game. It cost them against Ole Miss, and it should have cost them against A&M, but A&M's quarterback decided to throw them three touchdowns to Bama was the best idea that day. I'll tell you right now, that special teams for Alabama is going to cost them another game. It is pitiful. They have no discipline. There is no ball security. I mean, it's bad. I mean, the punter kicks a ball, right, and it hit Miles Garrett in the helmet. It hit him in the helmet. <laughs> and that's bad. I mean, you want to talk about Michigan's punter, Alabama's punter's bad, too. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you this. You're right. They got they, – they did. Bama did get lucky. Uh, to win that game, because how many times do you see three pick sixes in a game on the road? I mean, it's just Alabama owns A and M. I just think that's a bad matchup for them. But the Lane Kiffin pushing Nick Saban yesterday. What do you think of that, Jonathan? We 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 know this is Lane Kiffin's last year in Tuscaloosa. I mean, screwing Nick Saban's business partner's daughter or granddaughter, whichever one it was, is not a way to keep your job at Tuscaloosa, but. What do you think about Lane Kiffin pushing Nick Saban? I loved it. Because you know what? The play worked. And at the end of the day, that's all that mattered. I don't care what what, what led up to it. What happened was Nick was trying to call a timeout because they were running down the play clock. And, Saban, and Kiffin said, I got this. Don't worry about it, Nick. I got it. And the offense ran the play. It worked beautifully. <laughs> they got the first down. They wound up scoring. And that's all that mattered. I mean, that, and at the end of the day, it was nice to see Kiffin show a little something and tell Nick, don't worry. We're going to get this. We're Alabama. 
Yeah, I don't like I don't like Lane Kiffin. I'm sorry, I, I don't. But 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 Quinn, let's move over to your to your Notre Dame Fighting Irish. A big win last night to to go yeah. six to one, forty one to forty one to thirty one over a a very talented USC team. I was impressed with your Notre Dame team last night, even though yeah, they it's USC not, they losing their coach. Yeah, they made the halftime adjustments they they needed to. Uh, they had a two touchdown lead, and then in the and then in the second quarter, USC kind of stormed back. And then in the second half, in the third quarter, there wasn't much scoring. But then uh, fourth quarter, Notre Dame kind of took the game over. Yeah, Got I hate to say this to you, I'll buddy. I'll take a double-digit to... win. Yeah, I hate to tell you, Quinn, you may not agree, but I just don't see this team, and Jonathan, correct me if I'm wrong, I just don't see Notre Dame being a playoff team. I mean, they're a good team, don't get me wrong, a lot of injuries, but I just don't I just don't think a playoff team gives up 31 to Southern Cal. What do you think? Well, I mean, I expected that. I expected it to be a close game. It was going to be a dog fight. I think we all knew that. Um I mean, we're I'm talking joking. About, I'm, just trying to, I'm just trying to get Quinn riled up a bit. <laughs> well, and here's my thing: if you look at Notre Dame's schedule, right? Go, go ahead, go ahead and take a peek if you will. And I'll tell you this right now: they have Temple. Uh, they still have to go to Temple. They still have to go to Pittsburgh, and they still have to go to Stanford. If they can win those three games, and I know Temple and Pittsburgh yep. don't seem like big games right now, but I mean, if they win those the three games. Oh boy! I mean, the conversation begins, don't it? Yep, it does because Notre Dame doesn't play. Notre Dame doesn't play these school of the deaf and the blinds. I mean, they they played for Georgia Tech, they played Virginia, Texas. I mean, Navy, which is always a tough game to me. I like. I mean, it's a tough offense. Temple's ranked. Pittsburgh's ranked. Southern Cal was ranked. You know, at the time. Clemson, they lost that one by two on the road at night. So you're, you you think about it, at the end of this conversation, a Notre Dame team that's uh, 11, what do they play, 12 games or 13? How many are they going to play? I think they play 13 games, don't they? No, they play games. 12. 12. Okay, 12 without a conference championship, but 11-1, beating a top-10 Stanford team, beating a ranked Pittsburgh team, beating a ranked Temple team. I mean, at the time they beat Georgia Tech, they were – they were undefeated. I mean, so and Georgia Tech was favored, by the way, in that game. But I'm going to say this, and, and I don't like Notre Dame much because of that conference deal, but this is a real mentally tough football team that at the end of the day, if they are 11-1 and one, and there's some two-loss conference champions out there, Jonathan, I'll tell you right now, Notre Dame will go over a two-loss conference champion if it's not an SEC team. They'll go. Oh, I, I agree. I think they will because for them to win out, that, you know, that they're going to go up against. They're going to be some good teams. I mean, Clemson, Stanford, and Temple could all win their conference. You tell me that we're talking about a, a Notre Dame team that beat three conference champions. How do you not put them in? I mean, really, honestly, how do you not put them in? I mean, Navy could still win that conference. They're not out of that race by any means. So, I mean, we're talking about Notre Dame teams. They don't schedule easy. And that, that's what I think everybody likes about them. Is, look at this. USC opened as a three-point favorite over Utah this week. I mean, that's very telling yeah. right there. So, 
So it's and, not and like USC Notre Dame just plays Utah. Yeah, mm. and they'll beat Utah. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I'm telling mm. you, they, they will beat Utah. I'm rooting for as many two-loss conference champs as possible. So if Utah loses, that'll be great. <laughs> but, but but here's the deal. But here's the deal, Jonathan. If you see a two-loss Clemson team as ACC champion, right? Two-loss Clemson won the ACC. Notre Dame's eleven and one. Lost to Clemson. You kind of have to cut Notre Dame some slack because they went on the road at night and lost a two-point game to Clemson. It's not like it was a neutral site or in South Bend. This was a night game in Death Valley. And, and, and I think that's. Yeah, and that's, that, that that might have been what what kept Notre Dame in it, honestly, in that game. You never know, but there's still a long way to go before we start talking about playoffs, really. But but I'm, I'm scratching my head here, guys, watching Oklahoma beat Kansas State on the road, 55 to nothing, after losing to Texas. I mean, Jonathan, what I didn't? Who's Oklahoma? I mean, who are they? Same Oklahoma team we've seen year in and year out, to be honest with you, man. This is an Oklahoma team that, when it comes down to it, will always lose to somebody. We're going to say, how? I mean, it is. You know, because this isn't a juggernaut Oklahoma. This isn't, you know, the the previous teams we've had, like the one that lost to USC, the one that lost to to Florida, even the one that beat Florida State. This isn't those Oklahoma teams. This is the teams in between. Um, And, and, you know, if y'all follow the trends, you knew that was going to happen. Texas after, I mean, Oklahoma after playing Texas under Bob Stoops is 15-1. And And for some reason, that team always comes out firing after that game. I don't understand it. I don't try to understand it, but that's what happened. And and Kansas State, you know, they thought they had a slight advantage going into that game with the whole, well, you know, Oklahoma got stuck with an eight-hour delay on the flight and da-da-da-da. They're not going to get here. Even when they get here, they're going to be tired. Nah, night game, Oklahoma came ready to play. Oklahoma came ready to play. I think that that team is still in the run in the big throw. Just because TCU's defense has not impressed me. They're missing a lot of guys. And it's nothing that they've done wrong. It's more they graduated a lot of guys, and they've lost a lot of starters, whether it's a suspension or injury. The TCU's defense is going to go up against some tough, some, some tough offenses in Oklahoma and Baylor, and I'm, right now, I'm not sure they can come out alive. You know, I think Baylor, I mean, Baylor hasn't been tested yet, but Baylor might be the best team in that conference with Oklahoma running second. We just don't know about it. And, and you got to remember, yeah. in a rivalry game like that, you know this as well as I do, so the record books out. Texas is still a very talented football team. There's no doubt about that. And even the Memphis Ole Miss game, whether anybody wants to admit it or not, that's a rivalry game. So you throw all that out, and you just play the 60 minutes and get up at it. And we'll, and we see what happens. Upsets happen in rivalry games all the time. And I think that's a more of a rival game to Memphis than it is Ole Miss. Like you said, I think Ole Memphis wanted it bad, and they and they showed it on that field. But Oklahoma confuses me a little bit. I mean, they they lose to Texas, which is a god awful team, and and they they win fifty five to nothing on the road. Kansas State, a team. They had TCU blown out at halftime. So I think TCU is the most overrated team in college football right now. I think after all this discussion we've had watching them play, they're not, to me, a top five team. I mean, they're they're just not. Their defense is not good. Yesterday they beat a, a terrible Iowa State team 45-21. to 
but but there is one team I want to talk about real quick. The Utah Utes again. They were at home. They got it done, thirty-four to eighteen to remain undefeated over Arizona State. I mean, I have them at my number two right now. But but that's what they've done for me lately. You know what have they done this season? I like their resume. I mean, the way they beat Oregon by 40 point, 42 points, the way they beat Michigan, the way they beat Cal, all of a sudden now they're on the road at USC. And if they, they go to USC, they're at Washington, at Arizona, they'd still play UCLA and Oregon State. Jonathan, I think if they get past Southern California on the road, which I don't think they will, you got to watch out for this team right here. I mean, they're a legitimate national championship contender if, they can get by USC. If they lose this game, I think they're going to lose a couple more. What do you think about Utah right now? I like what I saw from Utah in that game. Uh, that score, I mean, uh, you're, you know, there was a late touchdown by Utah to, to make it a 16-point difference. Um, and if you take away a, a, you know, a blunder on a kickoff, I mean, that game probably never would have been that close. Arizona State couldn't move the ball all night. And that, I, that was very impressive. Utah's got a defense that can get up at it. They really can. I mean, Arizona State went 5 for 18 on third down. I mean, that Utah defense just came after them, came after them, shut down the run, only gave up 28, uh, 15 yards rushing on 28 attempts. I mean, uh, yeah, that's getting at it. So I think Utah right now, looking at their schedule, looking ahead, you know, and I, I like to peek ahead from time to time just like you do. Uh, they get by USC, they run this table. And I think they will get by USC. And I think they will run this table. Uh, I mean, USC, just a big game for them. But I think Utah's defense is going to be too much for that offense. Uh, Oregon State's pathetic. Washington ain't that good. Uh, Arizona just confuses me. Then again, Arizona looked much better at home this year. But I still think Utah's going to go in there and get her done. And UCLA, as well as they've looked this year, we got to remember Rosen's an 18-year-old kid. Okay, he's going to make mistakes against that defense. I'll tell you right now, Utah's 12-0 going to that title game. Wow. Woo. They are. I'm, I'm, that's why I'm hoping for chaos. Like Quinn said, I'm hoping for, for two lost teams. I'm just hoping for all-out war, and I think Utah loses. And, and let's look, I'm going to preview a little bit of next week what we have. We're going to have a show this week sometime to talk some college football. I mean, this week was pretty good with some matchups, but I'm looking over the schedule, some dangerous games before. We're about to talk some NFL, by the way. Alabama at home against Tennessee. Tennessee with a bye week coming off a, a big win against Georgia. A&M going to Ole Miss. Uh, we have USC, a three-and-a-half-point favorite over Utah, but there's really not that much. Georgia Tech, Florida State, there's really not that much. It just gets me excited this week. I mean, what about you, Jonathan? I mean, do you see anything out there that just makes you go, wow, I can't wait to see this game? I just don't see it. Well, I'm actually a little bit excited at, for the Clemson at Miami game. And I think that has more to do with it, it's it's an early game. at um, It's a noon game at Miami. And I want to see how focused Clemson is, how real then they are for that. Um, but, I mean, other than that, to be honest with you, you know, there's really nothing that tickles my fancy. Um, I mean, we're going to get a great Sun Belt matchup, but who really cares? You know, I mean, Temple and Memphis are both on the road this week, but who really cares? You know, uh, I, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's not a great week, and that would explain why game day is going to James Madison instead of going anywhere else. I mean, 
it, it, it just it's not a it's not going to be a great week for college football. I'm expecting either you know there's a lot of games between bad and bad, which is going to be fun uh, because two bad teams together creates you know chaos, or it's going to be you know a good team is playing a poor team. I mean, A and L Ole Miss might wind up being our, our our best game of the week, and I don't think anybody right now knows what to do with either one of those teams, both coming off losses, how they're going to handle that. Yeah, I'm just hoping next week that Auburn comes out, wins a road game, they go five and two, and and bring in an Ole Miss team that's just falling apart, and all of a sudden they're six yeah. and two, and you never know what can happen. But Florida State on the road, Jonathan, we'll preview that next. You know, this week we'll do a show. We'll talk a lot of college, but let's move real quick to the National Football League. Not a not a great day. I mean, but but there was one game that was great to me, and that was. Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers, Jonathan, going on the road to Seattle. And this is an undefeated Carolina team that I was waiting to see him play this game. We talked about it. I want to see him play how they do. They beat Jacksonville. They beat Houston. They beat New Orleans. They beat Tampa Bay. But they still lack that win, in my opinion, on that resume. You're 4-0, but really, who have you beat? I mean, right. But this game solidifies, to me, Carolina is a, is a contender for the playoffs. Would you agree? I would say, yeah, Carolina is a contender. That was a great win, a gutsy win today. But I also want to go ahead and flip the script a little bit. As great as a win that was for Carolina, going into Seattle and getting that win. We have now, we we are really seeing now what is going on with that team, that Seattle team. I mean, it was a young team that won a Super Bowl. They went back the next year with uh, with the core intact and, and lost the game they probably should have won. People started getting paid. Other people are upset that other people got paid. And I think it's creating unrest in the locker room. I think Pete Carroll needs to try and find a way to reel these guys in. Because Seattle's about to implode, and it's going to be ugly. Because you do have some brash personalities on that team. And I think we need to try to, you know, that, uh, Pete Carroll needs to try to figure out how he's going to handle the situation before he up and decides to head to Oregon. <laughs> I hope to God he doesn't come back to college. I really do. But, but uh, Quinn, what do you think about Cam Newton? To me, I think Cam Newton showed that he's a top-level quarterback. I mean, he didn't play great. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he, he made some mistakes. He threw two picks on the road against a, a good Seattle defense. But the way he came back on that last drive with two minutes left in that game and drove him down 80 yards, I mean, what do you think of Cam Newton? And what does this mean for him getting this win? Well, it's a huge win, I think. Nice and I and ever since Cam was in the league after his rookie season, I I I already thought he was like a top ten quarterback, and he just proved and he's proving this year that uh, he may be even up there even more than just a top ten quarterback. He may be becoming that elite group. Jonathan, what do you think of Cam Newton if you ranked him amongst the NFL right now and all the quarterbacks? I mean, we we have our – what tier? Let's say we have, we have what, three tiers of quarterbacks, let's say. we have You have your superstar quarterbacks, you have your middle tier, and you have your lower tier. Where do you rank Cam Newton? Well, clearly Cam Newton's a lower-tier quarterback. I mean, he's awful. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, right now, I put Cam Newton at the, the top of that middle tier. He, he's right up there. I don't think he's in the superstar tier yet. I don't think he's a Tom Brady 
or an Aaron no. Rodgers yet, and I think that's a very exclusive group right now. Um, but he, he's getting ready. He, he's ascending. You know, he's right there with your Matt Ryans and guys like that who are very good and you're just waiting for them to break out in all reality. And I think Cam Newton's getting close to that, um, I, I, especially considering that he's without Kelvin Benjamin, who was his best receiving threat from a year ago, um, you know, down the field. So, you know, we're seeing Cam Newton really mature and grow into being an NFL quarterback. And i got to say I'm really impressed, and I bet you every Florida fan is really upset because they could have had that. Yeah, they could have had it. And, and, and you know, I, I, the top-tier quarterbacks I see out there, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, I mean, those are those are top-tier. Those are about as top-tier as you get right there. I mean, and and I look at I look at Cam Newton being right there, and you look at what he said. Benjamin's out. He has no weapons really, except Greg Olson, which, by the way, is a phenomenal beast. I mean, this guy is <laughs> Greg Olson to me and Cam Newton that duo together. They're just connected. I bet they I bet they shower together, guys. That's how close they are. I'm sure Cam Newton wants wants him in the shower with him because he knows he's the only guy that can catch a ball on that team. But but Cam Newton's a great quarterback. But let me tell you, the heart and soul of this team, and you tell me, Jonathan, Luke Keekley, I mean, him when he plays on that field, you see a difference. I mean, Luke is one of the best players in the NFL, and I think he's the reason that they won today. Well, being that I'm a Florida State fan, I got to witness Luke Keekley up in person four times. I believe it was four. Maybe it was three. But anyways. Who did he Luke play for, Keekley, Boston College? He was a Boston College boy. That boy had over 200 tackles in one season. Think about how hard that is to do in college. And it wasn't number stats. I mean, they they didn't pad his numbers and make him look better than he was. He's that good. I mean, Luke Kickley was all over the field in college. He was the heart and soul of the Boston College teams. Now he's in the NFL doing the same thing. I, I remember when, when we had a chance to go ahead and get him, and we took Mark Barron. And I wanted Keekley so bad. And ever said, we had Mason Foster. Yeah, but Luke Keekley's a generational talent. He He's the second coming of a Ray Lewis, of a Brian Erlacher, that type of middle linebacker, those guys that carry your team. He's a emotional, physical, everything you can think about it. He's the leader of leaders. I mean, you talk about best defensive players in the NFL right now, and I'm going to tell you right now, defensive lineman is J.J. Wobble. Linebacker is Luke Keekley. There's no linebacker that can hold his weight. I mean, we got a good one nope. example, Devontae Davis, but there ain't nobody that can touch Luke Keekley. That boy's phenomenal. If he can stay healthy, oh, boy. I mean, Hall of Fame. I'm already getting ready to write his acceptance speech. And Quinn, I mean, he's in on every play, isn't he? I mean, every time you see a tackle, he's there. I mean, it doesn't matter where it is, he's there. I mean, how big is he to this Carolina team? Uh, yeah, I'd say he's really big. <laughs> I mean, he, like you guys said, he's the leader of that team. I'd say, I'd say he probably means more to the team than Cam. And yep, he does. Yeah. And he's a he's a he's a warrior. But but like Jonathan said, the two and four Seahawks are they ready to implode or are they not? And and let's move over real quick. A game that shocked me, Jonathan, twenty five to thirteen Steelers over the Cardinals. I mean, third string quarterback. Pittsburgh takes care of business. Man, that game, I mean, I don't think I've been that upset in an NFL game in a minute. I mean, that that game just, oh, boy. 
Arizona, and the reason why it upset me was because Arizona had a chance to put the foot on the throat and go ahead and just end this in the first half. And they just let Pittsburgh hang around. They let, I mean, they had Pittsburgh one passing yard, 60 total yards in the first half. I mean, they had them shut down. Pittsburgh couldn't do anything. And, and Arizona just couldn't pull away. They couldn't do it. And eventually it just broke down. Larry Jones came in and played really well, which I guess is why Pittsburgh was holding on to him. Landry did look good in, that, in the short time he came in. You know, it, it, I'm pretty sure Arizona's sitting there going, man, I wish Michael Vick had never gotten hurt. I mean, my goodness, and Martavis <laughs> Bryant. Let's not underscore this. This was Martavis Bryant's first game back for Pittsburgh, and he made a huge difference in that game. I mean, he made a huge difference. Yeah. Big Ben comes back healthy. Watch out, y'all. Pittsburgh's going to be really dangerous. you got Ben, Bell, Brown, and Bryant with Keith Miller. I mean, Ben's got weapons. Yep. The offensive line just needs to give him time, and they're going to get done. Pittsburgh, I think, is a contender for the Super Bowl right now. They are, and, and I was about to say that. They can beat New England. They can beat the teams like that, Denver. And, and speaking of Denver, Jonathan, I mean, Peyton Manning's 6-0 and right now, but this Denver team is not that good, man. I mean, and I'm going to bounce it off to Quinn after you right here, Jonathan, but I watched Peyton Manning play today, and I'm starting to feel sorry for the guy. I think I just feel bad for him because he's nothing like what he used to be. You look at Tom Brady, he's at the top of his game right now at that age. What happened to Peyton Manning, man? I mean, it looks bad. You you barely beat Cleveland. You throw in interceptions against the Browns. You have to go into overtime to beat them. I don't know. I mean, the Broncos, are they really the, are they the most overrated team? Are they the worst 6-0 and team in the NFL right now? I don't know about that because the way I look at this Broncos team is the way I look at my 2002 Buccaneers Super Bowl champions. Offensively challenged, no doubt about it. I mean, Peyton has a noodle arm. His shoulder's completely gone. And I hate to say that because I love Peyton Harris. But his, 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 he's gone. He, can, he doesn't have the arm to do it no more. Demarius Thomas had some really big drops today, and that's a huge issue. Uh, he's got to get that solved. Just because you got paid doesn't mean you can start dropping the ball, especially when you're wearing gloves. Come on, son. Uh, but that defense in Denver <laughs> is going to carry that team. It is downright stupendous to watch at times. Akeem Tlaib had a, had a pick six today. I believe that's the defense's third interception return for a touchdown. Um, if they, I mean, they, they've just been phenomenal the way that defense is playing. And that defense can only do so much. I think Denver needs to find a running game. The minute they find a running game is the minute they can go ahead and start pulling away and getting this done. Because you can't rely on Peyton throw the ball 40 times a game anymore, guys. He can't do it. His arm is done. And it, it, it just gave off. There's nothing Peyton can do here. He, 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 we, Denver just needs to learn and to accept his limitations and try and work around it. Yeah, Quinn, what do you think of the Broncos? I mean, I watch them play. I'm just not, I'm just not a big fan right now to, to think that they can beat a Pittsburgh team with a Ben Roethlisberger, to think they can beat Tom Brady and the Patriots in playoff time. Remember, it's not cold weather yet. And and yeah. Manning in Cleveland, it was a, it was a little chilly, I guess, but it wasn't too cold. What's going to happen in the winter time when it gets real cold and Peyton Manning's having to win these big ball games? I think I, I think uh, Jonathan's right. I think they'll their defense will carry them. Um, I think I think Denver could uh, make a playoff run, but uh, Peyton's forty now and. Yeah, his arm's pretty much gone, so 
I mean, you well, can't my, you can't just rely on painting. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about a team, your Chicago Bears, this this weekend laid an egg against Detroit. I mean, what did you think about the Bears choking that one away, losing to a winless Lions team? The Bears are two and four now. This was a chance for them to be three and three at the to get some momentum going, but I think this just killed the Bears right here losing this game. I know it killed the fans. Yeah, yeah, it, um, I mean, uh, that, uh, touchdown that, uh, Detroit had that should have been an interception, that wasn't a touchdown. I mean, uh, I mean, at the end there when they could have put it away when, uh, it was coming up to the two-minute warning and Chicago had the ball and they ran three straight plays and Detroit was starting to call timeouts. If they would have passed on third down and would have got it, that probably would have put the game on ice. And I didn't understand the play call before that, but that officiating crew was horrible. And to me, it looked like every chance they got, they were trying to screw the Bears. Um, that well, the Bears should have won by a touchdown because that touchdown that they called a touchdown, he didn't he didn't fully go through with that catch, and that should have been an interception. Well, Jonathan, let's let's move on to a, a team that that played like they they normally do, the Atlanta Falcons. And these Thursday night games, I hate in the NFL. They ought to do away with them. It just seems like. Have you ever noticed how? how these are the worst football games you've ever watched. And here we go, the Falcons undefeated, going on the road to New Orleans. They get donkey stomped all the way back to Atlanta by a terrible <laughs> New Orleans Saints team. I mean, what, what do you think about these Thursday night games? What do you think about the Falcons sneaking up the joint and losing to this Saints team? I'm glad being a Carolina Panthers fan that, that the, the, the Falcons lost, but they had no business losing a game like this. I'm not a huge. Uh, I'm not a fan of the Falcons at all, and uh, I, I, I'm. I got nothing against those United games. Um, I mean, yeah, you do tend to see some bad football on them, but what we saw from Atlanta was what we saw from Atlanta against Washington. Let's not forget that, and that was a Sunday game. And Atlanta came in, and and Bob George, if they weren't playing Washington, they were gotten smoked that day. I mean, two fumbles. <laughs> By Ryan, two missed field goals by Bryant where he hit each upright. Who would have thought in a dome that Matt Bryant would hit the left and then the uh, and then the right upright? I mean, Atlanta just rolled over um, their, their their woes till the next game, and that's almost what I expected. And it's a shame. I mean, I don't get the Falcons, man. I really don't. It seems like they're gonna have some problems on them rolling, and then they just start tumbling apart. And I get it. Julio might not be a hundred percent. But Matt Ryan's making stupid Matt Ryan mistakes. But this is the Matt Ryan that we all know and love. Especially at Florida State, you love Matt Ryan. That three-interception game where they were ranked number two is beautiful. But, I mean, <laughs> what's going on? It's not the defense. I don't blame the defense anymore. I'm looking at Matt Ryan and going, what's wrong with you? I mean, really, what's wrong with you, man? What's wrong with you, Matt? Matty Ice. Well, like, Matty fell on ice. I mean, come on, man. What's going on? <laughs> they choke like the University of Georgia. Ooh, out. Amen. Amen. They do. And like the Braves. So like like every other team in Georgia chokes. Georgia Tech chokes. Georgia chokes. Atlanta chokes. The Braves choke. The Hawks choke. 
everybody in this town. I'm in Atlanta, and I have to deal with these idiot fans around here that were talking about <laughs> a perfect a perfect season in the NFL running the table. And I'm like, man, it just bothers me. And I see Georgia fans talking about winning the SEC. And you can't even – you beat Missouri 9-6. to I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, the – I hate Atlanta teams, guys. And I used to be a Braves fan, a diehard, until I moved here. And I'm like, holy crap, these fans are delusional. They're idiots. They're they're morons. If you're a Falcons fan or Atlanta fan listening, give me a call. I mean, you're the ones that talk the crap. You're the ones that accept mediocrity out of all these teams. And Georgia's favorite motto is the Bulldogs. That is, we'll get them next year, right, Jonathan? We'll we'll, we'll get them next year. We're gonna be loaded next year. I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, just like you said, Georgia croaked. I mean, I mean Ogo always croaked. Georgia Tech, when it came down to it, choked, right? Uh, yeah. The, the Falcons never seem to get it done. They're, they're chokers. The Atlanta Hawks, I mean, I don't even know how I can call them chokers. I think they're, you know, they've never really been that good. But, I mean, when they had a chance this year, they choked. The Braves, oh, my, they, they coined the term in the 90s. The Atlanta Thrashers croaked. I mean, they're gone. They're dead and gone. You know, I mean, the most successful institution in the state of Georgia is Zalbasta State. Well, Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern, too. They both get nominated there. But think about that for a second. Okay? Your two most successful institutions in the state of Georgia, one's a Division Three team, and the other one just got moved up to FBS football. Think about that. The, the last time a Georgia team beat Florida, it was Georgia Southern. The Bulldogs can't even claim that right now. I mean, that's pathetic. <laughs> that is downright pathetic. I mean, every year it's a choke. I mean, just just to hear it. I mean, even Sonya got up and started talking about, well, Rise Up, Falcons, and all this shit, and then they get donkey stomped by the Saints. Where's Sonya at now? Where's she? I want to hear her calling in now. There are all these Saints, or the Falcons bandwagon fans running up. You gotta see them, man. Be in Georgia, and you'll understand what I'm saying. I mean, they're choking. It's a matter of time. Just give it time. Well, Sonya missed to Atlanta. Teams always choke. Yeah, yeah. She she knows how how Georgia teams are, but she is a Falcons fan. I mean, and that's okay. But she she knows how the Falcons are. At least she understands that what they're gonna do. Sonya knows the choke she's still a fan and, and that's good. She she still loves her Falcons. I'm just giving her a hard time. But she knows Mark Richt, Atlanta Falcons, whoever, they're choking. They're choke artists. You look up choke artists in the dictionary, you see Mark Richt. Well, I mean, you know, you, you know a, it's it's a it's a state law that everybody has to know C P R, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, they're choke choke artists, all of them, man. I, I, I get tired of hearing Omar Oliver. He's on Facebook all the time. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Talking about Dog Nation. It's all these days of football, and he does it every day. And, oh, we're going to kick the shit out of Tennessee. Oh, we're going to kick the hell out of Alabama. And they get railroaded. And then he's like, hey, guys, rise up. We're going to beat Missouri this week. I mean, it's just like, oh, my God. I mean, it's, it's after a while, if you're a Georgia fan, if you hadn't committed suicide, you changed teams. I mean, it's just by now, it's time to, to find a different franchise or a team to support. But I'm sorry I went off on my tangent. But, man, the Falcons, if you think you're going to beat Carolina, if you really think, and Jonathan said it perfect, it's all about Julio Jones. He's not healthy. They fall apart. He's healthy. They, they're lights out. And it's, again, a team based off of one player. I'm sure if you took Tom Brady off the Patriots, 
they're probably not going to win a Super Bowl, but they're going to win games. They're going to find somebody to plug in and, and be able to win. But you can't say that about the Falcons, man. Matt Ryan gets no. hurt, they're done. Well, I mean, you want to look at the Falcons. Before the Washington game, Roddy White comes out and complains, I'm doing too much blocking. I want to catch more passes. <laughs> really? <laughs> Ever since that game, they looked really rough against Washington, and they looked really rough against the ones. And I didn't check to see if Matt was forced, trying to force the ball to Roddy. But I know Buffalo did today with Sammy Watkins to a fit, and they, and they got manhandled. But I'm looking at this, and I go, you know what, Roddy? Shut up. You're the number two yeah. receiver on the team. Shut up. Do you not remember the Michael Vick years when you were a bust? When you were a first-round pick and you were a bust because Michael Vick was throwing the football? Shut up. I mean, come on, son. When you had Bob Petrino and you had Chris Redman at quarterback, shut up. Block. Okay? Julio goes to score points. Block for him. Devontae Freeman's been a, a revelation at running back for them. Block for him. Don't talk about, I want to catch more passes. That leads to issues. That leads to losing. You like losing? Well, I'm, oh, you must have because you stay in Atlanta during Michael Vick years. You were happy as a dog then when y'all were losing. You were catching nothing because you were getting paid. Now you get more money, and now you want to catch more passes. Just be happy and shut yeah. up. Yeah, go, go, go back to UAD and play play football. But, hey, I was going to remind everybody, if you want to catch our episodes, um, go to go to ultimatesportstalk.com. They're running our episodes about every day now. They're, they're a great site. Go to ultimatesportstalk.com. Also, you can check it out on weighinsports.com, blocktalkradio.com. You can check us out anywhere. Go to iTunes and check us out if you want to. We'll be everywhere you want us to be. But, hey, Jason Humphrey, you're on hold. Before we go, if you want to talk about your ducks real quick, press number one. I'll let you in. I don't want to bring you on if you hadn't pressed number one yet. So if you press number one, we'll talk about the Oregon Ducks getting a big win last night (laughs) over Washington and – I don't know, Jason. Jason, Jason's probably drunk right now listening to the show. But hit number one, hit that, hit that first button on the top left, and we'll let, we'll let you on right now. But, but, but Oregon I got mean, him a Oregon got him a big win last night. I mean, it took us it took us less time to to, to send a, a satellite to Pluto than it has from Washington to East Oregon. I mean, is that a rivalry anymore? Is that really a rivalry game? I mean, does anybody really, oh, hey, look, Oregon and Washington. I didn't even know what was going on. I had to look at my Twitter feed. So I'm paying attention to Pacific takes on Twitter for the updates on the, on uh, Arizona State and uh, Utah while I'm watching Arizona and Colorado. And they're like, oh, well, there's this game going on in Oregon. I'm sitting there going, what game? Oregon State already lost. Oh, wait a minute. The Ducks are playing the Huskies? Who cares? It, it, it's, a cra- it's two crappy teams in a crappy rivalry. It's an egg rivalry. It's a one-sided blowout. I mean, they're talking about it. Is this Washington team the best 0-12 team you've ever seen? Well, is there a good one? Can anybody tell me what a good 0-12 team looks like? I don't know. I'm trying to get Jason on here. Let's see if he wants to come on right now. Hold on just a second. Jason, you're on way in sports talk. You ready to go, man? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm all going to go. Um, Vernon Adams came back. Um, offense looked good. good. Um, all going to go at this point, Vic. So. 
No, I mean, is that all you got to say about it? I mean, after I mean, you don't sound very happy after losing forty two to Utah and then getting no, I, drugged by lose to. It was a very good game. Um, running zone offense. Um, we started on the full about three field goals in the running zone, um, and we had about nine penalties. It was it was a good game. Don't get me wrong. I'm happy about the win, but it was it was. Yeah, we beat Washington another year. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, Jason, uh, tell me, tell me right now. I have to know, what is your reaction to losing to Washington State the way you did? Um, I'm upset that we couldn't hold a ten-point lead at home with six minutes to go. So, well, that what I else? guess that is well said. <laughs> What else? I mean, Washington State. I mean, I mean that's Oregon. To me, you know, are you are you wanting Chip Kelly to come back? Be honest with me, Pete Carroll, Chip Kelly. Are you wanting one of those coaches right now? No, I, I stand by my Catholics. No, I really do. Well, you're gonna die with him too, man. If you do. Well, he reminds me like Mike Bellotti. Who I have a long ten ten years here. And good years, bad years, whatnot. So, yeah, life of an Oregon fan. Well, I mean, Oregon's good, man. I mean, they they've they've had a good run, but I think what they need to do is to get back right now before before it starts falling apart. They need to get a head coach like a Pete Carroll, a Chip Kelly, because Oregon to me, when I think of them, they're a premier team, don't you, Jonathan? When I think of Oregon, I think of a uh, a, a, a great football team, really. The name Oregon. I mean, they 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 win games. They win the Pac-12. But what would you do if you're Oregon right now, Jonathan? Well, from what I heard, Sean Payton is sending out feelers. Apparently, he's done with his time in New Orleans, and that, that sounds about right. Um, I mean, if Sean Payton were to go to Oregon, I wouldn't be surprised. But I think they need a big name hire. I think they need a splash because at least somebody who knows quarterback. I mean, goodness gracious. Marcus Mariota made them last year. There's no doubt about that in my mind now. And I just got to find find out, can Oregon find a way to replace him? Because I know Vernon's been hurt. And when Vernon's played, he hasn't looked bad. But he looks like, you know, a graduate transfer. you got to break him in slowly. We've done it with Everett Golson down south. And you know what? Everett Golson hasn't turned the ball over. We're 6-0. Oh, so we're kind of happy with him. Thank you for him, Quinn. Uh, I mean, Oregon's got to figure something out because I don't. And Mark Helfrey doesn't look like he's got a grasp of the game. I don't trust him as a coach right now. I don't think he. I don't think he really has earned his spot. He, it was kind of handed to him. He was handed the keys of Lamborghini and say, "Don't crash it." Well, he already wrapped around a telephone pole by losing to Washington State. I mean, that, that's not even a scratch. The scratch was losing to Utah, and they got keyed up on that one. When you lose to Washington State at home the way they did, he wrapped around the telephone pole and everybody's looking around going, well, what happened? He goes, I don't know. The tree just showed up in the middle of the street. Oh, okay. Whatever you say, Mark. Jason? Yeah, I, I'm i just sitting here laughing. Oh. <laughs> no, it's it's the the sounds like the verdict is out of Mark Helfrich. Um, this is his third year coaching. Um, um, it's up and down. Yes, I'm frustrated about the Washington State loss, but it's growing pains at this point. 
you know. Um, yeah, hey, hey, Jason, Jason, my mouth on almost lost to Jacksonville State, but I'll tell you something. Yeah, yeah, but uh, like, like I said, it's every 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 year is going to be. I want to say every year is a struggle, but every Oregon fan knew that this year it's going to be a struggle. Okay, the realistic Oregon fans, not not every bandwagon fan that's out there. <laughs> well, man, I mean, our ball team gets better. That's, I mean, that's fair. I mean, he's you know, I'm glad he put that out there because you got to realize living in Florida, I've run into more Oregon fans than I thought I'd ever run into in my life. To be completely honest with you, blew my mind. I mean, they just showed up like you know, out of nowhere. They were they were a bad weed that just popped up, and every time you go out there with the weed killer, and you think, all right, you're going, and then they pop they pop back up and multiply. I, 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 it just blows my mind. So I like how you're putting that. I mean, I, I really, you know, it, it, does it sound like there's positive momentum rolling, at least in recruiting? Because obviously it did show that, you know, the team obviously is a young team. You saw Royce Freeman, who's a great talent. You know, there's positive, there's got to be some positivity, some growing pains. Is there still an air of positivity around the school and the program? There's an air of realism that, hey, this is almost to be expected because of what we lost. And, you know, it, it, you know it, when you have a high school winning quarterback, there always seems to be a, a slump the next year he's gone. And there always seems to be some hard a hard season you got to go through. It's hard to stay on top every year. So is there that sort of realism, some positivity hanging around? Or is everybody really starting to dog them? Because that's worries me. I've seen a lot of dogging. But, again, all that dogging has been down here. I think, I think around here, around the Eugene, there's still positivity. But it, you look at Facebook, yeah, everybody's dogging the Oregon fans because <laughs> look at the Oregon and Badwagon fans. They dissed out for years. And now it's Oregon fans getting the jokes thrown at them. And a lot for the show. So. Yeah, that's good, Jason. Man, thanks for joining us. And he's right. I mean, you have growing pains. I mean, everybody, you lose a Mariota, you're going to struggle. So I'm I'm gonna not be so hard on on Helfrich. I'm gonna give him another year to see what he can do. My but my instincts tell me, and I could be wrong, that that this job's too big for him. I don't think he can pull in the kind of recruits Chip Kelly could. And I think they need a name like a Pete Carroll, a Chip Kelly to come back because that's a machine in Oregon. They can recruit. They can, they got the money to throw around. I mean, you know, the, the recruits want to play there. I love their system. But Oregon wouldn't be Oregon without that system. So you got to bring a coach in that that knows that system, like a, like Chip Kelly that wrote it. You know, it's not Helfrich is it's a good being a, a vice principal, but to be the principal, you it's just a lot different. I think Helfrich is a good assistant coach. I think he needed a job smaller than Oregon. You know, like Gus Malzahn went to Arkansas State. You know, paid his dues there, came back. And, and came to Auburn. I just think he inherited this job because, and, and, and maybe he had, he was head coach somewhere else before. I don't know, but I think he inherited this job, Jonathan, because he knew Chip Kelly's offense. I agree. I think that is the only reason he got the job was because it was they, that the university looked at said it's an easier plan of succession to just hand it to him. He already knows the offense. You don't have to change anything. Let's just keep it running. And I, I I agree with you. I think he would almost need to go to a smaller school and, and go through some real bumps there and then make a move back. Um, but at the same time, 
I mean, we've seen where it has worked with the line of successions before. I mean, I think Jimbo Fisher is the the best plan that you can have for a line of succession, where he's taken over uh, a university at Florida State and brought them back to prominence. And, it, I mean, that almost became Nick State. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how close we were to that deal. Um, so I, I think this is something that, you know, Mark Helfrich, you know, he's going to go through some growing pains. And he's going he's gonna to hit a bump. But, I, you know, I, he doesn't have the swagger I think an Oregon coach needs to have. Chip Kelly, whether anybody wants to admit it or not, had a swagger. Oh, this is how I'm going to run it. This is my ship. Don't touch my ship. This is mine. This is not yours. To, this is yours to look at. You can't touch it. I don't want you peeking inside of it. You can enjoy the outside view because it looks awesome pretty. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, we're going to have to wrap it up. Thanks for joining us tonight. And uh, we'll be back on hopefully Wednesday night. We'll preview what we can of this week. I mean, it's not a great college football week coming up, but hey, it's football, right? We'll talk some NFL. Hopefully, the NFL will have a better week too. So, so we'll see, guys. Thanks for joining me. Uh, I'll put it out this week when we're going to have it. If not, we'll be back definitely next Sunday at 8:30 p.m. Eastern. Everybody have a great week, and we'll see you then. All right, y'all yeah. have a good one.